Hi, my name is Isaac, lead pastor at New Hope Foursquare Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Our Sunday services are at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Find out more at www.inewhope.org. Danya's back went out, and so I uh, told Chris Bolby, I said, we got to write a message. (laughs) And so Google Docs, you can both be... Uh, composing something together. And so we kind of co-wrote this. I wrote the most of it, but he added several thoughts in here. So for whatever goes well, blame Chris. Whatever goes poorly, just blame me. That is, that is just fine. Uh, uh, as I was thinking and praying and talking with Chris, the art of waiting is what we'll talk through. Well, last couple of weeks, you heard from Chris, and you've heard from Abel and Brett, and some people think, oh man, Isaac, you need a lot of time off. And that's not the point. My job is to come alongside our younger and developing leaders and to give them space to grow. We will be a church that trains the next generation. That's what we're doing. Some of you thought, oh, you must have ran out of things to say, Isaac. Oh, believe me, no, I did not or have not run out of things to say. Uh, That's not what is happening here at all. Well, the art of waiting this morning. So the dreaded delay announcement, you've you've maybe experienced this before. I was at uh, the Salt Lake City Airport a couple of months ago on a layover, and then over the screen, hey folks, or over the intercom, you know, PA, Hey folks, so uh, looks like our plane isn't going to be here in time to get you to Portland, so we're anticipating a a 90-minute delay. Yeah, that's the dreaded announcement. You know what? We had been waiting already. They didn't know this. We had been enduring the wait in the security line, the wait for some planes to leave so the seating would be freed up. Waiting at the previous airport, waiting to leave, waiting to fly, waiting to depart, waiting to land. Sometimes air travel feels like waiting around so you can wait somewhere else. All the while, others are waiting for you, waiting for you to get your luggage out of the overhead bin, waiting for you to get out of the aisle, waiting for you to get out of the way. And the the most efficient time of all history, comings and going, this and that is happening. We can't get around the reality that we will wait. <laughs> Waiting is a part of life. So we're like, oh man, I'm so encouraged this morning. <laughs> well, how do we do this well? Well, here, New York Times said in 2012 that Americans spend roughly 37 billion hours each year Waiting in line. Somebody's like, I know. I feel that. I just, yeah, I feel that. Uh, Waiting's a part of life. Even though waiting is a part of life, um, we sit around saying, I can't wait. I can't wait to grow up. I can't wait to drive. I can't wait to move out. I can't wait till they move out. I can't wait until fall. I can't wait until Christmas. I can't wait until it rains again. I can't wait till winter. I can't wait till spring. I can't wait till school is out. I can't wait till school is in, said the parents. (laughs) Well, guess what? Yes, you can wait. Yes, you can, and you will wait. So let's learn the art of waiting. While we're all waiting, on something, at some time, at some place, there may be a bigger purpose. 
we tend to think of waiting as wasted time until the next thing happens. Hmm. I was doing a little research about waiting yesterday. <laughs> and I found this interesting article in the New York Times. This leading expert on lines and queuing and lines who obviously studies the psychology of waiting. He says that years ago at the Houston airport, there's lots of complaints about people waiting for their luggage. You know, they get off the plane and then they wait for their luggage and they wait and wait and wait. And there's all these complaints. And in discovering the psychology of waiting, they realize that unoccupied waiting is really the, the trouble. That's where we feel it the most. And so they moved baggage claim farther away from the planes so that you had a long walk to get there. They couldn't make it more efficient to get the luggage off the plane, but they could make your conception of what was happening be different. Your experience be different by moving baggage claim far away. So now you know why that is that way. The key for us and the art of waiting is to properly occupy our waiting, to recognize there's something in this. We tend to think about things very linearly. If I don't pronounce things right this morning, um, I just wrote this message yesterday, so okay. <laughs> now is where I'm at, then is where I need to go. Here's where I am, that is where I need to go, and the shortest distance possible is what would be preferred, and I think that's what God is up to. But really, he's up to something in the waiting in the longer term. Between the now and the then, there's something really important that God is doing. And as we learn to navigate this season, the season of waiting, we'll find that there's something of maturing that happens to us. Single people, who desire to be married may fail to see what good waiting will do. Young people, you want to be taken seriously. We can tend to think that once we reach that age, then we'll be able to make a difference in the world. Married couples who desperately want a child wait for a positive pregnancy test and ask the question, will our dreams ever come true? or being stuck in one job, but wanting another job, we tend to see ourselves as just enduring. We wanna to get to then. What about now? Is there something in the waiting now that is worth anything? For some of us, we, we come to the end of our careers and we are white knuckling our way through the last few years waiting for retirement thinking that happiness will be found at the end of our working life. But what about now? Is that a song? <laughs> it just came through my mind. What about now? Yeah. The cry? Is that? Yeah. Mr. Purcell, nice to see you. Thank you for that. I wish I had the melody in my head. I would burst out singing. <laughs> <laughs> or waiting for the prognosis. <laughs> Are you glad I didn't have the melody in my head? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Oh, phew, he forgot that one. <laughs> a prognosis that is coming, a diagnosis that is coming. 
We're waiting for healing. Sometimes we close our eyes and picture the future moment. But what about now? What about this today? Could there be something for us in these moments? The moments when it's not then? The moment of now? And the moments between now and then? It's getting like Dr. Seuss up here. <laughs> <laughs> Could what happens when we wait be what God is up to? This morning, we will discover that when we give our times of waiting to the Lord, when we wait rightly, when we practice the art of waiting, the Lord will weave maturity into us. These times are not lost. The shorthand word for maturity, I've said a couple times, is strength, spiritual strength. Psalm 1, 3, the psalmist sings about this person who is spiritually mature, the blessed person, the person that you and I want to be like. It's part of why you would be here on Labor Day weekend, because there's something that you want to grow into. Let's read Psalm 1 and verse 3 together. Ready, go. She shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever she does shall prosper. I think you and I want to be like that. Planted, deeply rooted, always faithful, in season, out of season. No matter what comes our way, we are found to be present in the moment and able to endure. We can get there by practicing the art of waiting. Well, thankfully, for you impatient ones, we don't have to wait to start maturing. Ha! <laughs> I thought it was funny when I read it. <laughs> We can begin or continue our spiritual maturation process today, right now. Some of you are like, yes, I'm enduring this sermon already. So that's, yes, God has something for you in there. Yeah, ironically, while we long for the wait to be over, we can grow now by practicing the art of waiting. And I realize as I've kind of Open this up, and maybe you're thinking about that season of waiting, your disappointment, the pain, the suffering, the challenge, that you need the Holy Spirit to attend to you through that. And so I'd like to pray that you would be open as you are thinking about and considering your own process, which probably is challenging and difficult. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you give grace to every person? As we dig into your word, I pray that you would illuminate to us how we can practice this art of waiting. And I pray, that, I, I pray that we would dare even to say it is a gift to be not then quite yet, but in the now and in the process between now and then. We give you great praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, before we jump into some scripture, I want to remind you some about the timing of the Lord in scriptural terms. His timetables are very different than our 
American microwave, drive up, drive through, instant message, overnight delivery, video on demand, cliff notes, sense of time. Right? How many of you, like, what is it, Walmart, where you can order your groceries and then just go pick them up? It's like drive-through grocery shopping now. How many of you have taken advantage? No, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, we are very instantaneous driven. That is not the timetable that the Lord works on. That's just not the way he works. For example, the book of Acts tells us about Moses. That Moses was 40 years old when he first tried to deliver or enact his heart, his calling to deliver the nation of Israel from slavery. He was 40 years old when he first tried. And then it didn't work so well. And so he was kind of cast out into the wilderness, so to speak. And 40 years later, God showed up. 40 years. Imagine for those 40 years, Moses may have been like, I don't know if that dream, that desire, which is in my heart will ever come to pass. 40 years is a long time. In the waiting, something was happening. Your waiting will probably be longer than you think it should be. We call this waiting in biblical proportions. <laughs> it's the timetable. Our culture doesn't respect the timing of the Lord. Our culture and our world tends to think that its timing is best, but God sure knows what he's doing. We'll look more at that as we go. Another example in the Old Testament, David was anointed by Samuel to be king, but it was over 20 years later, we actually became king of both Israel and Judah. In the waiting, something was happening. In the waiting, he was being prepared for what God had called him to. In your waiting, something is happening. You're being prepared for what God is calling you to. We'll talk about how to participate with that. Or mind you, Jesus, the son of God, it wasn't until he was 30 years old that he began his ministry. 30 years of being prepared. 30 years, something was happening in the waiting, the waiting on the Lord. So this morning, we'll hone in on a key verse out of Isaiah, chapter 40 and verse 31. And then I hope that you will endeavor to grow in the art of waiting. Here we go. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. Yet those who wait for the Lord, wait. Okay. <laughs> hey, good job. <laughs> You're waiting already. <laughs> I told you to wait and you waited. Those who wait for what? For the Lord. That's key to this whole thing. Not just waiting in general, but you're waiting for the Lord to work. You're waiting under submission. You're waiting under authority. You're waiting in trust. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your what? Do not lean on your own understanding. This will not make sense to you unless you grab that point. We're talking about waiting on the Lord and trusting him. Nothing else will make sense unless you first understand and comprehend and walk in this reality. Okay, let's do it again. Yet those who wait for the Lord, with me now, will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. The key is waiting for the Lord. Waiting in, in full anticipation. This kind of waiting that trusts that the Lord knows what he is doing. That creates a whole different paradigm 
a whole different reality to anything that we go through, that the Lord knows what he is doing. That's hard for us. Think about the slow line at the grocery store. Have you been in the slow line before? You chose the slow line. You thought you chose the fast line, but you chose the slow line. You're at Costco, and then you got behind, like, coupon guy, right? <laughs> or something along those lines, and it's like, this line went slow. Or somebody has this question, or they're in this conversation, and you start to getting anxious, and, and you feel the anxiety? Have you been in a moment like that? Yeah, yeah you have. Now imagine with me that you had a biblical understanding of time and God's will and his way in that very moment. It's going to cost you three and a half more minutes to be in that line because of that slow person, but there's a purpose that is behind that. Maybe it's the person right behind you in line that you turn around and you give a smile to because that person, God knows, has been dealing with depression their whole life and that one smile, that one piece of human contact is going to be what keeps them from making a decision of death. See, when we start to see time and what is happening in this context of God knows what he's doing, every moment then matters. There's no moment that doesn't matter. It is all purpose, it is all arranged, and it is all for you to take advantage of in the spiritual sense. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. That's what we're talking about, is recognizing that God knows what he's doing while we're waiting. In small moments like that and in big seasons. This kind of mindset only comes when we know that we are those waiting with hope. We are waiting with hope. Nothing, not one moment is lost on God. And if we wait on the Lord like this, the scripture says here, we can gain new strength, new maturity, new readiness for everything that God has for us. So we'll talk about three areas of strength that we see in this verse. First of all, this new strength, the first one is better perspective. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will see from a higher perspective, from way up high, from like the drone perspective, higher than even that. God's thoughts and his ways are higher than our own ways and our own thoughts. <clears throat> Isaiah, also in Isaiah 55 and verse 8, he lets us know about this. This is the Lord speaking to Isaiah. Isaiah proclaiming it for us to read this morning. I love how the New Living Translation writes this. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. <laughs> My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For example, Isaiah here was was written before Jesus came. If God would have counseled, you know, the great philosophy of mankind and said, okay, I've got a problem. The world needs to be saved. What should I do? Not one of us would say, send your son. Let him be perfect. Let him be just and righteous in every way. But then cause for the oppressive government 
and the oppressive religious system to put him on an unfair trial. And through that unfair trial, then to be put on the worst sort of display, to die a criminal's death on a cross. And then, while the world is confused and, the, and his followers are scratching their heads, rise him, rising from the dead, that's how you should do it. Not one of us would come up with that. Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that this wisdom of God confounds the foolishness of the world. None of us could conceive of this, but that's exactly what the world needed right at that time, right at that moment, was for the Son of God to descend and be killed in humility so that we might know what real love is, so that we could gather around a rallying point, a symbol of God's total affection for us, His Son being crucified. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We do not have the ability to comprehend why God should do or not do this or that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Thank you, Mike. Stephen Covey shares a story about getting better perspective. You, you've probably heard this before. It's regularly repeated. In his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he says <clears throat> there's, there's a, 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 a Navy man that's recording this story from his perspective. I'll read it. Two battleships were assigned to the training squadron they had, been, they had been at sea on maneuvers in heavy weather for several days. I was serving, the man who's recounting this story, on the lead battleship and was on watch on the bridge as night fell. The visibility was poor with patchy fog, so the captain remained on the bridge, keeping an eye on all the activities. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing of the bridge reported, light bearing on starboard bow. I don't know which way starboard. That's why I just did that. <laughs> this way? Okay, starboard bow. This way? Start right, start so, right. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Starboard bow. Captain asks, is it steady or moving astern? The captain called out. I think we should give the captain a different voice. Um, is it steady or moving astern? He's quite confident in himself. The captain called out. Lookout replied, it's steady, captain, which meant we were on a dangerous collision course with that ship. The captain then called to the signalman, Single that, signal that ship. We are on a collision course. Advise you change your course 20 degrees. Back came a signal. Advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain said, send, I'm a captain, change your course 20 degrees. The reply came, I'm a seaman, second class. You had better change your course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain was furious. He spat out, send, I'm a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing light. I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> the story concludes, we changed course. <laughs> The art of waiting on the Lord is understanding that he sees higher than us. And he gives us new perspective over time about what he's doing. But ultimately, in this lifetime, we do not have the capacity to understand the why of all of why God works. It's really not the point. The point is to trust. 
Paul reflects on gaining new perspective. Later, when he writes in Romans 8, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Much of the New Testament was written to people who were in significant suffering, oppressive governments, under constant threat of persecution, loss of life, being potentially tortured because of their Christian faith and belief. And Paul is reminding those early believers, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal later. He's making reference to the fact that God in his great wisdom sent his son to die, to rise again. God in his great wisdom in a prophetic way tells us that Jesus will come back and will redeem all things into himself. That the best that life can possibly get in this, in this time pales in comparison. It's no comparison to when God makes all things new at the end. Hallelujah. This is the reality that we are living into and why Paul says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal later. That's the kind of perspective that we need to have as Christ followers to be able to engage these seasons of waiting that every one of us go through. Amen. James echoes this too. It's all through Scripture. He says, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you, listen what he's doing, as you wait for the Lord's return. God is coming back. He's going to redeem all things. This is not all there is. You can be patient because that's what is going on. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to, to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. That's what contextualizes everything. It's never, because it will be okay in just a little while. That you will get everything that you want ultimately in this lifetime. It's never that. That's never the call for the Christ follower. It is contextualize your life to the fact that Jesus will come back and make all things new. Revelation says, Jesus says, I will wipe every tear from every eye. Pain and sorrow will be no more. This is hard for us to have that kind of perspective. It's not new to us. The Job is confronted by the Lord. Job is a book in the Bible where a lot of things went wrong for Job. He's like the model of suffering. Like that's suffering. And God speaks to him. And he says, you know, as you question, as you wonder, as you worry, as you're full of anxiety, I have a question for you. Were you there at the formation of the world? Were you? God asks rhetorically, obviously. Can you cause snow to fall from the sky? Can you cause rain to come down? Do you have as much control as you think you do? No, you do not. God tells Job, that's the kind of perspective that will cause for us to wait well. The second thing we see in this, in Isaiah 40, they will run and not get tired. Greater endurance. When we allow God to be God and wait on him, we, we gain the strength of greater endurance. Spiritual endurance is not just gritting 
but it is allowing the slow journey of waiting to produce within us endurance of biblical proportions. James continues to be helpful. If you want to be challenged, just open to James. The whole thing is challenging. He starts his whole letter after giving a greeting. And in verse 2 of chapter 1, he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, what is it? Produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There's something that happens as we suffer well, as we walk through these seasons with a, with a godly and a biblical perspective that produces in us what is needed for us to be in maturity. Nothing is lost in the Lord. Nothing is waited, wasted. As you wait on the Lord, you are gaining endurance that will come in handy later. The final thing that we see here, the new strength that is gained, the new maturity that is gained as we wait well is true patience. They will walk and not become weary. Patience is the act of maintaining our composure while waiting. Restraining thoughts, restraining actions. This is what Paul writes about love. The first thing he says about love and trying to discover love, what does he say love is? Patient. Love is remaining in composure when things are going poorly because you have a bigger conception of what is going on. The story that the world is living into is the story of Jesus' death, his resurrection, and his second coming. That can create that kind of patience. Maintaining our composure while waiting. Listen, Christ follower, you have example after example within your culture of people who are losing their composure while waiting. Something goes wrong in the world and all composure is lost. Something goes wrong in the world and everything is askew. Worry, anxiety, fret, anger, angry words. That is the way our society is responding. And unfortunately, that's the way many Christians are responding. Love is patient that we endure as the battles of the world wage. Our hope is not in the kingdom of this world. Our hope is in the kingdom of God that these kids sang about this morning. We are the light of the world. To be the light of the world means that we are restrained and we are composed in our responses, that our hope is in the kingdom of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. It should change very much how we interact and how we react to things that are in this world. This life is not all there is. This is just the beginning. We are living into eternity. Do you hear what I'm saying? The art of waiting, the art of waiting is believing and trusting that you serve God and you are not God. I am not God. Thank goodness. <laughs> Man, that'd be screwy. Again, James, our friend James, is becoming our friend that we don't like in the sermon. He says, God blesses those who, let's read it, patiently endure testing and temptation. 
Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Well, better perspective, greater endurance, true patience, that's the kind of spiritual maturity God is taking us through, taking us to, and he's using these, se- these seasons of waiting. Between now and then, there's something profound. Okay, I have some thoughts. Because I think you want to be that kind of person. It is why you're here. It's why you're a part of things. It's why many of you are signing up for Rooted in Alpha, because you want to be those kinds of people that are mature. And you're recognizing that the flimsy, flamsy, whimsy, whamsy way of the world is not working for you or for anybody else. That you have to anchor yourself. Jesus said, he who puts my teaching into practice is building their lives on the rock. Okay, so three thoughts, three ideas for you. Number one, you are like the battleship. You need new perspective. You are on a crash course with life. Join Rooted or Alpha. It's why we've constructed these opportunities for you to grow, to be able to ask different questions than what you are asking in your life. Listen, your culture tells you that you know what you need. Scripture never says that you know what you need. There's always this superior, inferior. We are inferior to the superior. The superior tells us what we need, tells us the kinds of questions that we should be asking about life so we can come up with better answers. Our culture is telling us to ask the wrong kinds of questions so we'll never come up with the right kind of answers. Rooted and alpha are processes that will help you to begin to ask the right questions about life. The right questions about serving this day, whom you will serve. The right questions about who is Jesus? Why is this a big deal? Is he, just, is he just a way to spirituality or is there something more dimensional? Alpha will teach you that if you're asking that question. If you're ready to dive in and go deeper, Rooted will take you deeper and will teach you the rhythms of the Christian life that will keep causing for you to ask the right questions. The world is telling you to ask questions. What do I need? What do I feel? What do I want? Jesus is asking us, do you serve me? Do you love me? Will you follow me? Those are the questions. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. It's a crash course. This is no messing around. This is reality. I was telling my daughter the other day, we don't just live according to a thought system. We are living according to the truth. And that is very different. Jesus says, I am the truth. Paul says that he made Christ and he is the wisdom of all things. He is wisdom himself. And so if you want to know the right way to respond to life or to think about life, it has to start with your Christian conviction first and foremost. You must put that into practice. You must build that foundation. You must build your life upon the rock. Amen. We're talking about life or death. Both Rooted and Alpha are almost at capacity, so you better sign up today. (laughs) In the lobby, there's a station. There's going to be hula dancers after the service, which is really great, really fun. Just next to them is a station where you can fill out a registration form, and I encourage you to do that today. 
Number two, develop endurance by occupying your time of waiting with scripture reading. Read your Bible. Open up your Bible and read your Bible. Set your alarm 20 minutes earlier so you can read your Bible. Put it on your calendar. Make an appointment with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to engage with Him and make that appointment and read your Bible. Open up to the book of Psalms if you don't know how to pray and read through the book of Psalms, right in the middle of the Bible. Read through the Psalms. Learn how to pray by reading your Bible. I don't know who Jesus is. You open up to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you read all about who Jesus is and what he said. You learn that by reading your Bible. The things that Jesus did, what do they mean? The rest of the New Testament, much of it is letters that are composed to help us to know what Jesus' work meant. You learn that by reading your Bible. And you read your Bible. What does this mean? How could God use someone like me? Read your Bible. God used schmoes just like you and me all through the scripture. You read your Bible. What is life all about? Read your Bible. How can I grow more spiritually mature? Read your Bible. How can I know, discern truth from lie? There's all sorts of things coming. Read your Bible. How do I know what God's voice sounds like? Read your Bible. What has God created me to do? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Get the word of God into your heart so that you know when the counterfeit of the world is coming your way. Last year, my son and I were going through one of the cemeteries here in town, and there's this very poetic saying on the sign, and he was reading it, and he goes, ooh, Dad, that's gross. He had no idea it's some weird kind of Eastern you know, philosophy or spirituality, but he does know what the truth of God is, and that did not sound like it at all. Why? Because he's been exposed to the Bible. He's been exposed to truth. If you want to discern it, you must know truth. You must read your Bible. As you're going into the school year, you're creating new habits. You have new ideas about things. Read your Bible. Put it in, pro put it in practice. Don't be lazy. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. It will change your life. I have never regretted reading my Bible. I've never regretted living my life according to the truth. I've never regretted the truth of God's word correcting me over and over and over by small degrees, over and over and over and over. I can see now, I'm gonna be 40 next week, by the way, I can see as I look back on my life, if God's word had not been directing me, I was on a collision with my own selfishness. I was on collision with my own marriage. I was on a collision with my own children. I was on a collision with my own pastoring and ministry. But reading the Bible has corrected me. Reading the Bible has helped me to know God's word. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. You have a pastor who believes that this is the truth. Respond to the truth. Number three, aspire to patience. <laughs> I've often heard pastors say, you know, don't pray for patience because then God will give you a reason to be patient. I get it. I mean, it's, it's a cheap laugh. Why don't we ask for God to give us reasons to be patient? Because if that's the first indicator of love, then let's be people who express God's love in the world by being patient. Let's pray. 
God, in this next political season, you are gonna give me opportunities to be patient. I will be patient because that is expressing love. I will trust you. I'm not the justice maker. You are the justice maker. Vengeance is yours. Vengeance is not mine. Certainly not on Facebook. <laughs> Let's aspire to be patient people. And a final thought for some of you this morning. It's not on the screen, but we have baptisms uh, two weeks from today, which is an opportunity for you to publicly declare that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Let us know. Myself, Brett, Deb, anybody that you see, just say, I want to be baptized, and we'll make sure that you get the information to participate with this. We want you to make a public declaration of your faith. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, that you are following him. Well, do this with me. There's a situation that's come to mind. It's your season of waiting or suffering. Bring that to the forefront of your mind again and close your eyes. Imagine with me for a moment, or maybe better said, believe that God is up to something in that season. How would your perspective, your situation, your emotions, your thoughts change if you believe that each and every day? that he's producing something within you in that season of waiting. He's developing us. He's maturing us. Now imagine this, what would it be like if there's a whole community of Christ followers, whole community of Christ followers who are waiting well, suffering well, walking through affliction well, honest about our pain, but also we are not in pain or suffering as those without hope. Imagine what that would be like. I think for myself, it would reverberate throughout the community. People would see there's something different about those people who follow Jesus because they suffer well. They're patient in affliction. They don't believe that this is the end of the story. That's attractive because every other system of the world is dependent upon circumstances and ours are not. Not in the present. Ours are all contextualized in the ultimate reality, Jesus Christ coming back again. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, you might be here today and you need to put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe you've never done that or it was a long time ago and today's your day to again say, I am putting my trust in Jesus. If that's you this morning, would you lift up your hand right where you're at? We wanna agree with you. Yes, I see a hand, I see yours. I see yours as well, yeah, thank you. You're loved, you're forgiven, you're cared for. God loves you so very much. He created you, his image and likeness. Well, there's several people in here today who are saying yes to Jesus. Let's pray with all of them out loud, all together. Repeat after me with gusto. Dear God, you are God. I am not. Your ways are higher than mine. You sent your son to die, to rise again so that I can have life, so the world can have life. Holy Spirit, fill me. Point me to Jesus. Lead my life. Convict me 
Encourage me. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate with several people who are saying yes. Let's be people who do the art of waiting really well. Well, a couple of, of notes here as we close. Devin's going to lead us in a song. Brett will have some more invitations for us just, just briefly. But Alan and Tangi are going to be heading on a mission trip, Alan and Tangi Hopkins. And, uh, and at the conclusion of the service, uh, prayer teams will be avail available here for you if you need prayer. Also, Alan and Tangi will be here, and we invite you um, if you have a heart for them or for missions, to come and pray for them as they're preparing to go to uh, Bolivia on a missions trip. Devin, thanks for leading us. Lead us in one more song. And